Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch Community, and welcome to episode 47 of the 167 Podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson here, the lead pastor at the Porch Community Church with my friend Josh Harrell. Hello, Josh. Jish. Jish. I don't know what, yeah. Hey, Shannon, how's it going? Jish. Jish. <laughs> it's going great. Go Braves. Go Braves. If Go you Braves. Could... Oh, hang on. So it's Tuesday when we're recording, so the it, fate. It's already been decided well, by now. It has. Because oh. if they... I hope I didn't just jinx them. But I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not superstitious, so everything's fine. The only time I'm superstitious is, is when it comes to baseball. Yeah. I say I'm not superstitious, but I kind of am. There's certain things I do, and I'm like, yeah, that's superstitious. But. Yeah. I think <clears> baseball <throat> is the only place I am. Really? Like, it's mm. it's on a different playing field than, than everything else, mm-hmm. because for whatever reason, it's been around so long that that kind of stuff actually affects it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you've got on your whole Braves. Yeah, if you can see it, like attire here. Yeah. It looks I mean, because Tuesday they're playing their first game back at Houston, and Max Fried is on the plate, so it really depends. Like I think tonight is the night. We got a picture Tuesday of you night. now. Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll send it. We'll send it with the thing. Yep. All right. Um, uh-huh. So hopefully the Braves won. Well, we 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 hope. Hopefully Georgia sports didn't Georgia sports. Oh, ouch. True. Um, when I, I moved here in 1995, in September of 1995. Ooh, that was a good time. And just because I'm kind of a punk, I was rooting for um, Cleveland. I know. I, it's just a thing. I just... But I want to um, say like one of the major league movies came out that year, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of buzz for Cleveland. Now, when I say I was rooting for Cleveland, I just was kind of like, I think it'd be cool if Cleveland won, but I was also, I think... Kind of just being anti anything Georgia. I don't know why. I don't know. I'm a I'm a jerk. And um, but by the end, I had totally jumped on the bandwagon. And mm. um, remember, you don't remember, but a lot of our listeners do. <laughs> uh, Zaxby's on Bay Tree. Um, the no, the, it was gone. The original here, yeah. back. I don't know if it was the original Zaxby's. There's a history to Zaxby's. I don't know it, but it was on Bay Tree. It was really cool. And they had this awesome deck and these big trees. And I remember sitting out there with some new friends because I just moved here watching the game. So mm. it's pretty, pretty great. Pretty great. Um, I, for whatever reason, my grandma got really into baseball when I was born. Yes. And we want. And I remember. And I was four in '95. <clears throat> And I remember sitting in her lap, mm-hmm. watching the Braves win, and watching. Were you like shelling peas or something while you're doing it? No, no, no. That that would be my granny. <laughs> oh, gotcha. My grandma. <laughs> we watched baseball. There you go. Granny, we shelled peas. Oh, there you go. Okay. Awesome. So. But, okay, so Braves, yay. <laughs> we hope. Um, Either way, good season. Yeah. But with it being November 2nd, how many Christmas movies have you watched already? Uh, zero so far. Really? Zero. Yeah. I figured you would have jumped on one already. No, no. I will. I give the Christmas movies a little more time. It's yeah. the Christmas music that I I really try to hold out until um, after Thanksgiving. But mm-hmm. usually it's like a week or two before, especially if we get a good cold snap. 
Yeah. Like an actual cold snap. This is cold to me. I mean, <laughs> 40s and <laughs> 40s and 50s is cold. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no no Christmas movies yet. No? Okay. So no, no. It's the music. We'll, we'll, the music that we'll gets keep me. a timeline on this and see how long it takes. Yeah. Me and Mallory both love the Christmas music. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, well, hey, a little housekeeping. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to somebody. Our our good friend Renee Galloway. Hello, Renee, up there in North Georgia, up there in beautiful North Georgia. Um, she, I found out she listens to the podcast and oh. she loves it. So sweet. I was Thanks like, I'm for give listening. Her a shout out. Yep. So uh, hello, and I'm jealous because I know it's beautiful up there right now, and I uh, hope you're enjoying what you. I thought was retirement, but yeah, you're still working. So, but um, we miss you. Love you. Come down and see us. Okay. But it's like if you got to choose between you coming here to Valdosta or your husband going up to see you in North Georgia until he retires, I'm sure he's heading up there. So Probably, it's, yeah. it's really beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, if you hadn't already, please subscribe to the podcast. Yes. And review it and share it. That way mm-hmm. we, ha- we know y'all are liking what we're doing. Yeah. And those reviews really help, too. And so um, we're really enjoying this podcast. We're coming up on a year. Which That's is crazy. really exciting. So uh, we know y'all love it. So just give us a little bit more feedback so we can shape it to what uh, y'all want to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in today's episode, it's been requested and asked about, and it's an update mm-hmm. on what the state of the UMC is mm-hmm. and yep. the Methodist Church and what it looks like for us as TPCC. Yep. We did a podcast early on in this year about episode it. Episode eight. And it was a very well received, uh, well, I don't know about well received. Is listened to a lot, mm-hmm. and they've been we've been asked for updates and stuff like that. But there really haven't been any updates to warn an episode up until recently that we've been able to compile stuff to make an episode about it. Right, right. Um, some some things have been going on that are I think um, promising, uh, but also a little bit frustrating. I will say, um, but I think. It's just part of the whole process of where we're going and what we're doing. And everything yeah, like and and one of the things that I've had to wrap my head around is why it's so slow about stuff happening. <laughs> is honestly because of COVID, like because the UMC is a global global mm-hmm. um, denomination. Mm-hmm. It does involve people from all over the world, and sometimes technology isn't in all those places to allow like a Zoom conference or something like that to be effective and legitimate. To the standard of the the things that they are dealing with, yeah, yeah, in the next general conference for sure. And I, I I say COVID definitely, and and also just the the anytime you try to change an institution, mm-hmm. it is like trying to turn a battleship. I mean, it takes a while; it doesn't turn on a dime. And um, I'm a turn on the dime kind of girl, so yeah, yeah. You're, were you about to say me too? But then you were like, but you said girl, so you didn't. No, I was no. I was going to say it. And then <laughs> me <you> said, too. <laughs> so, okay. No, well, I was going to say like, me and you were like, two of the people were like, hey, we, go. got a, we got an idea, let's do it. And yeah. then we have to, and then we have people that kind of rein us in a little mm-hmm. bit. And yeah. Let, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Let's just make sure that this is what we need to do. Exactly. And, and what it's best for the church. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so... Um, so I guess let's, for those who, and like I said, you can, um, go and listen to episode eight for a lot more background and things like that. But, um, 
I want to start, I'm just going to kind of give a little brief overview and kind of set this up for someone who's just tuning in listening. So first and foremost, I think it's really good to start at this point. Mm -hmm. The Porch Community Church, or if you hear us say TPCC, that's... Shorthand. Yeah. It is a United Methodist congregation. (gasps) I know, right? Some people may not know that, but we are. Uh, We launched out of a United Methodist Church Mm -hmm. in 2019, out of Valdosta First. Mm -hmm. Um, As time has gone on, I will say that I much prefer to, in describing our church, to say that we're a church that upholds Wesleyan doctrine. And I do that because, I mean, just putting it out there, to be honest, like, the United Methodist Church, the name in and of itself, has become more and more of like this theological enigma. Like you can't, it depends who you're talking to Yeah. whenever you're trying to understand mm-hmm. exactly what's going on. And the press hasn't been that great on it. I mean, no. the PR has not been that good. Um, and, and thankfully, thankfully I say this, there's many, many, many traditional local churches with l- pastors in those churches that are not affected by the larger United Methodist happenings, you know, or shenanigans in some cases, or mishaps Mm -hmm. that's going on around the country. Um, And I say not affected, but maybe, I think we are to a degree, but like we don't, it doesn't rock our boat. I think Mm -hmm. it just changes the perception from outside, Mm -hmm. again, because I think the PR hasn't been that great. And so a question I would ask of you, Josh, because I know you have a lot of friends who are um, in Baptist churches, you have a lot of ministry friends or just connections or just other denominations or non-denominations. Mm-hmm. What is the vibe you get from them when they you talk, They know that you work for UMC or mm-hmm. whatever? Uh, the big thing is, is they think the UMC is very indecisive <laughs> on the whole topic because it, it's been, the can's been kicked down the road mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and the thing that most outside people only think the whole thing is about is homosexuality when it's, mm. it's not the only thing that is right. in Right, and we're definitely going to talk about that for sure, um, yeah. And they don't, and they think the Book of Discipline is, the, is what's standing in the way of holding the Bible mm. as, as um, the standard when, in actuality, the Book of Discipline supports it the Bible. It certainly does, So. Yeah. People outside looking in think the hurdle is the Book of Discipline and the way it's mm-hmm. holding back the Bible, but it but it's people trying to uh, misinterpret the Bible and push away the Book of Discipline at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's so, a really good point, yeah. So um, from the outside looking in, they think it's a one-topic thing, mm-hmm. and they don't understand the um, players at play, basically. Yeah. And they don't understand what the D- Book of Discipline does and how it supports the Bible and mm-hmm. how it supports... A Wesleyan theology. There you go. That's very good. So, couldn't have said it better myself. So I'm sure you actually could've. you said it, you said it. I, I couldn't have said it better. So, like I like I said when I when we talk about this, I, I like to say, hey, we're currently. I'm like, hey, yeah, we are we are Wesleyan doctrine when it comes to who we are at the core of as a church. That's who we are. That's who the Porch Community Church is. And I would say for some, possibly even many. Even the the Wesleyan theology, the doctrine that we are founded upon, is misunderstood. Correct. Um, you know, we'll offer uh, definitely at the end of this, we're going to offer some names uh, or some some names and links um, at the end of the episode. I encourage you to go and and listen and do some reading and do some research to get a good grasp of 
well, what does it mean? I keep hearing Shannon and Josh say, you know, Wesleyan or Doctrine or yeah, Wesleyan think, this and Wesleyan that. I think we covered that in episode eight uh-huh. about um, John Wesley being the founder mm-hmm. of the UMC mm-hmm. and Wesleyan theology. Yes, yes. Um, so, and, and here's the reason why I say that. Why I think it's really important to understand the doctrine of the church in which, let's talk TPCC, but then also in the larger uh, scheme of things, like in our denomination, why it's important to understand the Wesleyan doctrine is because just last night I was reading um, this survey from an organization called Springtide. They do uh, research and stuff. You probably heard of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they they specialize, very specialized, in data that has to do with uh, the young adults, young young people is how they refer to it, Mm -hmm. uh, between the ages of 13 and 25, Mm -hmm. which you might go, well, gosh, that's really young. Um, but that's a, a key oh, key it's, point it's a of key demographic, right? And so, and what they do is they look at data that relate to beliefs and practices and values um, of this age group. And so, in its latest annual survey, this um, just came out. Uh, it's called the State of Religion and Young People 2021. It was released last week, and this is based on over a little over ten thousand surveys. Um, which concluded that many young people have a faith that they labeled as, quote, unbundled. Okay? So unbundled. That, um, th- that's something to unpack right there. Yeah, we, yeah, we will unbundle the unbundling. <laughs> um, but let me read their quote. They say, when we describe faith as unbundled, haha, we mean that religious young people, age 13, 25, are not relying on a single religious tradition or organization to form and inform their beliefs and practices. Instead, they mix together things from various traditions, religious and otherwise. This is what the Springtide uh, Report explains. Um, It goes on to say, think of this like Spotify or Pandora. Mm -hmm. A person can listen to a a specific song without having to listen to the whole album, and you can actually create your own playlist Mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of different things. The a la carte system. Right, and so that's what they call this unbundling. Someone can create their own playlist by unbundling a variety of albums and then bundling them back together into songs on, on their own. And so here's their bottom line. Quote, young people with unbundled faith will partake in religion, including practices, beliefs, and communities to the degree that suits them. That's Close scary. It, it is. It is. Um, and so rather than accepting a, a belief system, a doctrine that's that's been formed over centuries, yeah. um, you know, the, the traditions of the church um, based on Scripture, what you're finding is there's kind of this mix and match um, that's being constructed of, yeah. of those people between 13 and 25 in their faith. What, what, what can I do to bring into my life that makes me feel better about myself? Or yeah, or yeah. props up what I'm already kind of thinking okay. might exactly. be. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, and, and that, let's be let's be real. It does, this is not just a 13 to 25 no, no, year no. thing, but they're saying that this group of people is v- extremely susceptible it's, to it's, be making these choices. Yeah, it or started bundling. It started with uh, my generation, I think, mm-hmm. uh, very easily with the invention of iTunes and Spotify and stuff like that. You know, we were able to like it used to be. You could only listen to what's on the radio. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to change an album, you had to physically do it. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to watch TV, you had to watch what was on TV Guide. Yeah. And, but within the past 10 years, mm-hmm. all that's went away. And like you bring it back even further, like my age, 
my my generation, you had to get up and go and turn the television to one of the three stations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so we we were tied to a yeah. structure that we didn't make. Yeah, yeah. And then now you can. Make and it. now my generation went from, oh, you don't have a choice, to you have all the choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now do what you like. Like I'll go and find. Uh, a streaming service as a cartoon that when I was a kid, I could never figure out a good time to watch it or mm-hmm. I could never figure out the channel that it was on. Yeah. I can go watch it on a streaming platform and I can watch it all, the entire show in one day. Right? Mm-hmm. So I can, I can build the entertainment and I'm using entertainment <coughs> as, as a parallel to what they're talking about for beliefs. But I can build my... It's the same mindset. Yeah, I can build the entire entertainment that Joshua Harrell wants to ingest mm-hmm. To, to my liking, and I don't have to see anything I don't like. <laughs> and I don't. And that, there's the crux. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. that's that's perfectly fine with entertainment, but when you start talking about your, your belief system and mm-hmm. your faith system, mm-hmm. and, and you only want to ingest stuff that makes you feel good, mm-hmm. that's bad. Yeah. And it goes beyond, and you make a really good point, because it does go beyond faith. I mean... You can see this politically. You can see yeah, this yeah, yeah. Um, just in anything. Um, the opportunity to bundle, uh, to create your own. It's almost like, you know, um, with our, for those that have like, you know, dish or cable or whatever, you know, you can choose what, what, what do I want? You must streaming services. Yeah. What do I want? Well, mm-hmm. this one offers this and this one offers this. So I'm going to do these things. And, and this is what's happening. Um, and I just want to make this yes. side point Yeah, that I talked services like streaming and downloading and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And you went to cable, like packaging, like yeah. your dish network stuff. Uh-huh. And that just shows, shows our diff- difference. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, I do both. So uh, I've cut the cord completely. I know. I know a lot of people have, mm-hmm. um, I keep it because of football, which I know that's gotten a lot better, yep. um, in the last like year or two. Um, but yeah, we still have, but yeah, so I mean, we're already in the process of bundling and curating mm-hmm. our lives already. Yep. And I mean, that just kind of signifies that it's gone deep deeper into our. And consciousness. now it's into our to our faith. Yes. Um. And and like we've said, I think I think this this con the reason I, this I would use the words like dangerous and confusing, and it could com- potentially cause damage to the church. Mm-hmm. Even in the next like five to ten years, as these young people mature, if they're continuing to bundle their, um, well, I believe this and I believe that, and I read that person and I listen to that and I got this, you end up with a a very uh, a mixed bag of theologies of the of, of yeah of like a doctrine of your faith mm-hmm. and and doing that kind of mix and match from multiple doctrines from popular pastors. Uh, from differing theological mindsets. Now, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong, let me make this clear, of listening to other voices. Oh, yeah. To reading um, another point of view. Nothing wrong with that at all. But when you do the mix and match and the multiple doctrines, and you you listen to that, like I said, popular pastor or or different theologies, and, and you put those together and you come up with... Uh, your understanding of who God is, mm-hmm. who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, what the scriptures are and how they are to be read and understood, yeah. and the purpose of God's church, mm-hmm. that can become, it can be really dangerous. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I would say as a, uh, a pastor in uh, my 50s, 
it makes it, I mean, I'd never, I mean, it's the reality of it all, but I'm going, wow, I'm kind of looking behind me going, God, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned for the future of the church, mm-hmm. which, you know, I guess all people as they are maturing, <laughs> you should get to that place. I mean, we should have a concern yeah. for the church. Mm-hmm. Um, what sure. part can we play in it? So understanding Wesleyan doctrine, which is the foundation of the Porch Community Church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I think that's important to make clear. Yeah. Um, like, we're not uh, a mixed bag no. uh, in regard to our doctrine. We don't have multiple things that we're kind of just throwing and going, what sticks? You know, we like this idea. Let's make that. No, no, we we are Wesleyan in our doctrine. This is who we are. Right. And, and what it does by understanding this, it places, um, I would say, some topics or issues or interpretations in their proper place as far as like, okay, this is who we are. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote down a couple of examples. Um, okay. Uh, I, this is one, like a practices in the worship service. So this is something that you might have seen quite a bit growing up, Josh, but like some may wonder, and some have asked um, through the years, like why we don't do a, quote, altar call mm-hmm. um, every like af- at the end of every service, yeah. why we don't do that, or why we don't invite people to repeat, quote, the sinner's prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and the bottom line for that is, um, it comes down to our understanding of grace, mm-hmm. uh, the provenient grace of God, the right. grace of God working in our lives, the justifying grace, um, the understanding that this is we're on a sp- we're on a journey of faith. It's not a one time mm-hmm. moment and event, mm-hmm. and so we certainly don't discourage <laughs> people coming to faith in Christ. You know, we don't. We definitely encourage people to spend time in prayer. You know, after message has been delivered um, mm-hmm. or during worship. We offer people to pray with people, you know, about various things. It doesn't have to be just about, I've given my life to Jesus. It could just right. be a moment of just needing prayer. Um, so like I said, we don't discourage those um, moments, but what we do is we we honor and recognize the work of the Holy Spirit in the overall process, and so we, we let the uh, Word of God... Mm-hmm. speak for yeah. itself. We allow the Holy Spirit to minister to people. And um, that's just one of those, and, and that would be one of those mixed bag type things where someone goes, well, goodness, I grew up in a church and that's what you did every week. Yep. Um, but interestingly, though, what I've heard from several people who grew up in a church that did those the kind of altar call center prayer every week yeah. is they say they appreciate that that is, that that we don't push that Mm-hmm. Because it just became kind of like wallpaper, like they kind of yeah. just became a thing. Does that make sense? Well, well, I was actually gonna say I feel like when you do um, call for a time of prayer after mm-hmm. the message, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that is actually the perfect altar call. You know, coming down and mm-hmm. prayer, right. not not to check a box to have people come and say that they've been saved, but to actually just come right. come to the come to God with. That's right. With with whatever. With whatever on your knees, face down, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then us having people right there to pray with them because sometimes you just don't have the words. Exactly. You know. Yeah. I think I think we actually do altar calls probably better than what I grew up with because it's not a mm-hmm. heads down, heads eyes down, closed, hands up right. kind of thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So and I guess we just wouldn't call it an altar call. No. It's an opportunity to 
to respond. Yeah. And what's what's the Lord speaking to you? And the yeah. only reason I actually have a point to this is because I we've we've become really prayer focused as of late. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. And we were doing you were call you called for people to come and pray and I was like, Holy cow, this is what an altar call is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not supposed to be Let's bring people down, and we can check save boxes. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, right. because uh, that's not that's not what coming coming down to the altar is about. It's not if you're saved, fantastic at the right, altar, right? Right, and let's celebrate it. If you give your yes, exactly. But the the altar isn't for sinners to become isn't just for sinners to become saints. Mm-hmm. It's for everyone to come to the face of God mm-hmm. and just and pour out. That's right. And I know that's not where we're going today, but th- no, to me, that that's... that's exactly what we do as an altar call, and, and I think it fits what an altar call should be mm-hmm. perfectly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that so that would be like an example of a practice in worship that that you're not going to find in, in a lot of Methodist churches no. or Wesleyan doctrine churches. Um, another one, we went, we did this one almost ad nauseum for some people, but the role of women... Um, that is most definitely a practice that if you have a mixed bag of understanding of doctrine, you might go, well, hold on a minute. But, but women in ministry in all leaderships, in all leadership positions, just as men, this is, this is Wesleyan doctrine. Yep. So it's just, it's just what it is. Um, theological issues, um, like the atonement. Um, our Wesleyan doctrine is one which believes in the substitutionary, substitutionary, say that quickly, atonement as well as unlimited atonement. So it's, okay, Jesus died for us, right? Mm-hmm. But he also died for all of yes. us, mm-hmm. um, not just an elect few. Mm-hmm. Now, whether people choose that, um, that sacrifice, right. you know, and, and to uh, you know, allow that to cover them is, is the choice, the free will choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is, again, another, you know, that could be a, a mixed bag thing. We're going, hold on a minute. I just thought, you know, God preordained. Um, and then uh, another, these are just a couple of examples I thought of, is um, like our governance, um, our doctrine, our polity, um, you know, our book of discipline, as you mentioned earlier. It's the church is not, uh, it's not set up in a way where like the entire local church votes on every single matter, you know, right, like the carpet yeah. color or mm-hmm. who's going to decorate the sanctuary, as you exactly, mentioned a few weeks yeah. ago. Um, we have a system of governance. Um, both within the local church, but then outside of the local church, above the local church. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a there's a, a system of accountability um, and authority that is built into how the doctrine of our faith is. And so uh, I'm a I'm appointed. I'll give just for my example. So as a lead pastor, I'm appointed here, and I have an elder outside of the church that I answer to, as well as the bishop who over, is even over the elder that yeah. is over me. So there mm-hmm. is a system and a hierarchy. Um, and then local church decisions are made much like our government. They're made by representatives nominated mm-hmm. uh, our, of our ministry partners and myself, um, you know, making up the board to make Correct. decisions. Yep. And then there are a couple of times in certain circumstances and situations where all ministry partners uh, would have a say in the workings of the church. But so those are just a couple of examples of like, what does it mean? And, and I kind of, I purposely went, 
um, like on big issues, small issues, mm, governance, yeah. you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. And if you don't look into, and I, and I say this to anybody, I'd say this to anyone who goes to any kind of church, if you don't look into what your church doctrine and foundation is, um, it'd be real easy to assume that, well, we're just like the church down the street, and, and they just happen to be a non-denominational church, or they happen to be a Baptist church, or um, a Lutheran church, or whatever, um, and that's just not the case. Yeah. And we could be... Um, they could have a completely different polity, or a completely different system of authority, or ordination even. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so... Goodness gracious, I would say if, if you're a part of the Porch Community Church, which most people, most mm-hmm. of our listeners are, um, check out Wesleyan Doctrine and know who we are, because um, this is who we are. And if you're not partners of TPCC, yeah. and you're part of another church and you don't know this stuff, check go find out. out. Heck yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, how are you supposed to say you submit to what the church does mm-hmm. if you don't actually know what, what their yeah. doctrine is? Yeah, yeah. That's right. And like the survey I referenced a moment ago, one might be tempted very easily to unbundle a specific doctrine from somewhere and create like this personal going, oh, I think this is what the doctrine is. And it doesn't end up aligning with the church they're part of. And this can really get dicey, Josh. Mm, Yeah. Um, Because what that does is that can start to breed discontent in a person Mm -hmm. um, or in a group of people. It could breed um, unnecessary conflict within the church, local or even larger denominationally, which is exactly where we are right now Mm -hmm. with the UMC, not TPCC, but with the UMC. And I would even say, like, if you're someone like me that has come from a different denomination mm-hmm. that is now in the UMC, yeah, I would, and there are some things that I'm still not a hundred, like, I haven't a hundred percent decided on which way I fall on a topic that I was taught, raised one way, and now I'm un, in another way. So, but, I, but what I'm doing is I'm speaking spiritual wisdom or seeking spiritual wisdom on that topic. Mm-hmm. But what I'm also doing is I'm submitting underneath the Wesleyan theology spiritually because that's where I'm at. Right. So there might be a topic where I'm not 100% on mm-hmm. because I you know I was taught something so long and it seems right and now mm-hmm. I'm taught something else that it seems right as well. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm unbundled or that you're unbundled, you mm-hmm. just you're just not sure it, on it yet. So that's still okay. It, yes, you gotta, that's a really good point to make. But you got to speak or seek speak Seek spiritual wisdom mm-hmm. in that, mm-hmm. and but the church that you're in, while you're seeking that spiritual wisdom, you you you're submitting yourself to that doctrine and those beliefs. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if you can't, mm-hmm, you then need, yeah, you you should go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a church and you're unsure of a topic, talk to the lead pastor about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that and they'll be the ones that can tell you. W- this is where we're at and and why mm-hmm. and they can lead you to something to read or something that'll help you help you figure it out. Oh, I'm about to ask you. I'm about to put you on the hot spot. Go for it. If you were not on staff at a church, like let's say you had an outside gig, because mm-hmm. I could say if you were not on staff here, but the reality is if you weren't on staff here, you'd probably be on staff somewhere else. Probably. But let's say you're not working in the church. Let's say you took that the management route with Publix, mm-hmm. right? That yep. you could have been on. Um, would you guys? Uh, knowing us, knowing TPCC, would you would you guys be a part of it? 
Depend. Told okay. you it's a hot seat. Here's here's the the caveat to that question. Would I have worked at TP or would I have worked for the for the UMC beforehand? So if I worked for the UMC mm-hmm. and then I moved out, mm-hmm. or have I never worked for the UMC? Because that's two different answers. Know. Well, that's why I said like knowing knowing us, knowing yeah. TPCC. Uh, if I'd never worked at a UMC, mm-hmm. not not worked with uh, you or Diane specifically, mm-hmm. I would not be here. Yeah. After working, mm-hmm. I would be here. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So it's a t- it's a two edged sword. Mm-hmm. If I'd never worked at a UMC, mm-hmm. I w- I would never be at TPCC. Yeah, and the and the woman thing is would be the, the main. woman thing. Yeah, would be the, would be the main would keep me from walking through the door. Yeah, well, and the good thing is is there's a whole lot of other doors mm-hmm. that you could walk through. Yep. So. And that's not, I, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't have changed my faith one bit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, so I guess this is a really good time to say this. There, no system is perfect. No denomination is perfect. No church is perfect. No pastor is perfect. But we are Wesleyan in our DNA, which brings us to the United Methodist Church and where we are today. Because I would say that, and this is where you already brought it up, some think that, oh, anything that's going on right now in the UMC has everything to do with sexuality and how that is perceived and approved and all that stuff and clergy Mm -hmm. and who can be married and all that. But the formation of the United Methodist Church was actually an unbundling and a rebundling that created confusion, and it's done damage to the witness that we have as a church. Because um, the United Methodist Church, we'll just say UMC going forward, the UMC began in 1968. We've we done a couple yep. of podcasts on yep. this, but I want to give a quick review. Uh, again, go all the way back to Episode 8. Um, but the joining of the Methodist Church, a little history, it was the, the joining of the Methodist Church and the Evangelical United Brethren Church. So that's where we get our word united and Methodist. They put them together, you know, like chocolate and peanut butter, and then they crash, and then you get your Reese's <laughs> peanut butter cups. Um, but here's this is the this is the thing. This isn't think about the time frame, 1968. The leaders of the day felt that United Methodism, this new combining of two different, mm-hmm. um, similar but different um, kind of standings of where they were doctrinally. Yeah. They really thought that they could kind of function as like kind of a big tent church mm-hmm. where yeah. a lot of people could fit under this big tent that had a lot of different understandings. And when I talk about understandings, I'm talking about like there was a diversity of understanding of the gospel, a diversity of the historic church teachings um, and and the doctrines. And even if scripture, how... how um, you know, scripture is read and understood, and even if it's inerrant or not. Um, and so really, like in 1968, the thinking was that a pluralistic type uh, theological thinking and doctrine would actually be more welcoming to many people seeking a relationship with God. Like they could, you want to find something, then come to the UMC. Mm. <laughs> and that's just like, that's, that's not great. That's not a good foundation. Um, and what happened, of course, is that is that seminaries... Um, became more and more liberal in their approach, and by liberal, I mean it was just wide, kind of wide open. And that's to not how, just a UMC thing, right? You into how they that. taught biblical interpretation, how they taught theology, and so unsurprisingly, the graduates of these seminaries were then going on to lead local churches, 
and they would have, based on the pastor and the church, these diverse understandings, again, of the gospel of historic church teachings and doctrines. And so lacking a, a solid theological and biblical foundation to stand on, the witness of the church just began to decline. And here's some really sobering news, Josh. For each of the 50 years that the denomination has been, 50-plus years, that the that the United Methodist Church has been a combined denomination, mm-hmm. it's declined in membership for each of its 50 years. Really? And without the evangelistic efforts of outside of the United States, mm-hmm. um, the United Methodist Church would be shrinking faster than you could maintain the statistical reports on it. Wow. So that's, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. Um, talking about... a. I know the International Mission Board, which is a Baptist organization, mm-hmm. is actually sending uh, because the shrink shrink of the American Church is unparalleled right now in the world. Right. Um, the International Mission Board is actually sending missionaries to mm-hmm. the United States, <laughs> and this yeah. is the first time that's happened since colonization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like whenever people started sending missionaries to Europe, and they thought, "Oh my goodness, how dare!" But it's like, no, they needed it. Yeah. I it's mean, a post-Christian society. Yeah, it's, Europe is a post-Christian society, mm-hmm. and they say we're 30 years behind Europe on yep. most um, faith trends. Mm-hmm. So in 2040, we'll, we'll be considered a, a post-Christian. post-Christian society. Yeah. If not, if it, not already close to it, I yeah, don't know. If, if, we don't, if, we don't, if the church doesn't step in yeah. sooner. And to go with your point... Um, when I say that the UMC is declining in membership every year, since it's still the third largest Protestant denomination in, or Protestant, uh, the third largest denomination in the U.S. with the Catholic Church and the Southern Baptists above us. Yep. And and so they're all declining yep. in some way. It, but so when I say we're declining, it's not like oh we're number one hundred out of you know one hundred one. No, we're up there, yeah. and yet we're still declining. And all. Th- all three are drastically declining in mm-hmm. the U.S. where they're where they're um, hitting strides mm-hmm. outside of U.S. Yep, yep. Africa is booming for huge the UMC with UMC right now, and Asia is booming uh-huh. for the Baptists. Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, and then so you say that, or we talk about this, but however, what you have are local churches that. Um, and, and I would say definitely our church, TPCC, and others, and even in our very conference here in South Georgia, are doing well, are experiencing growth, are experiencing spiritual growth and renewal within them. And so, um, you know, it's just like this strange thing. Like in the larger context, it's it's declining, yet it doesn't. it's not hopeless. And I guess that's the point I want to yeah. make there. So, so when we talk about these these issues with the UMC, again, it, you, it might be, it's so easy to just assume this is all about human sexuality. Um, in 2019, once again, the traditional view of marriage and the view of heterosexual clergy, all of that was upheld by a vote um, at our general conference, which is where those, all those decisions are made. Um, it was upheld again. It's it's come before general conference numerous times, so it's continuing to be yeah, upheld like by vote every time for like thirty years yeah. or something. Like, almost, almost since nineteen sixty-eight. Right, right. And so, yes, sexuality is one of the issues, but it really goes deeper, much deeper than that, and it goes further back um, because I would disagreements over sexuality and gender are merely the symptom 
of those more foundational truths that that are no longer held in common in the UMC, which yeah. it goes back to that whole big tent combined mm-hmm. thing. There are conflicts over essentials, such as is Jesus divine? Is he really God the Son? I and, mean, and, see, and that is a you know that blows my mind in the third largest denomination. Yeah, that there are churches that go eh, oh, on me- Jesus. You'll find, I mean... In the Methodist church. You would find Catholic priests that would do the same. You you could, if you looked hard enough, you could probably find a Baptist minister who who would question the divinity of Jesus, which I know sounds really weird. It, it does. It like that... But it's not off I, the table. I w- it's not off the table, but I would be... I would... I don't know <laughs> if... I think you would go, are they really Baptist then? Y- yes. Right. Because if, if the people that come into the general conference of the Methodist mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. or came into the Baptist church because they dealt with this, like mm-hmm. they dealt with this, the sexuality thing yeah. earlier, Yeah, you know, and, um, I, they would have just, instead of their, the, yeah. they would have just kicked them out. Well, that's why I say like, when we talk about this, it's like, my question wouldn't be, are they really Methodist? My my question is, are they really Wesleyan? Th- and the answer it, is no. Exactly. If you're going, if is Jesus really God? No, I don't think he is. Okay, well, I, I'm Wesleyan. My doctrine is we Wesleyan, have a and Wesleyan is Jesus yeah. is the Son of God. So, and I think that I think that's where we really got to go. Like, mm-hmm. is splitting and not not defining us as a UMC because it is that big tent, mm-hmm. but defining us as Wesleyan, yeah. I think, is is going to be ultimately where everything, sh- personally, yeah. is where everything, I think, is going to shake up. Mm-hmm. I, and I, and yeah. we'll be in a Wesleyan type type deal. Yeah. So, I mean, these, these conflicts over who Jesus is or the authority and reliability of scriptures or our understanding of sin and redemption, all these things are causing us to realize that we're actually, if at the minimum, we're two different churches, but I would say more than that even. So, which brings, I think, a very, a question that's probably like a hello from a lot of people listening yeah. is, why are we still a part of this? Why why are we still part of a denomination that is having so many issues? Why are we having, why are we part of a denomination that has bad PR? Why do we are part of a denomination where there's actually um, people who are, um, blatantly disregarding our book of discipline, our, our, um, church, you know, governance, um, who are questioning the divinity of, of Jesus and, you know, the authority of scripture and all those things. Why are we TPCC? Why are we still a part of it? Why are we sticking around? And there's a couple of reasons. Okay. Well, do you want to say anything? Well, I was going to, I was going to say the very unpopular opinion. Okay. Money. Mm, Okay. Well, Guess what? I mean, first, I, I think we're hogtied by money. The first, uh, I had two reasons that I thought of, and the mm-hmm. first one is legally and financially. That's the first reason. Mm-hmm. Legally and financially, um, we have a trust clause. Yep. We talked about this, haven't we? I don't know. Yeah. So in in the United Methodist Church, yeah, in the UMC, we are under what's called a trust clause, meaning. Um, we pay the mortgage here. We pay the bills here. Um, it's all in our name. Mm-hmm. Yet, if we were to choose to no longer be part of the United Methodist Church, we have a trust clause in which this property is held in trust with the United Methodist Church. So if we said we don't want to be a United Methodist Church anymore, 
legally, the United Methodist Church, our our, our uh, conference, our the South Georgia Conference, mm-hmm. could say, okay, you don't have to be one, but you got to go because the building is United Methodist, the property is United Methodist, and we would forfeit everything. What's in our bank account? Mm-hmm. What we've put into everything. So, and that that is true across the board. And there are a lot of churches who are have much more financial. Um, like they've got endowments and they've got million dollar buildings and they've been around for hundreds oh, yeah. of years. I mean, it and the cost and and so there's a cost that comes with that, right? Um, there's so there's a legal and a financial aspect to this that's that is, I think, one of the only reasons why um, the the uh, split has not occurred up I, until now. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly surprised this is legal. Yeah, you know, well, the whole it's, trust clause. And, and and Georgia law has upheld the trust clause so far in every... I mean, because it is a legal binding thing, yeah, even no, though you I, might go, gosh, that's kind of crazy. It's Yeah, I mean, I get it. Yeah. Like, I get that it's legal. I just don't understand how yeah, it's legal. Yeah, And then the other reason I would say, and, and this is one that has become more and more and more evident to me um, in the last few years even, is spiritually... Why, why are we still around? Why, why are we still around? And I would say this because we are better together. We are better together. If you had asked me five years ago, I'd have been like, let's go do whatever we want to do. Just, but we are better together. A church without a denomination, a church without a very strong association, not a loose one with just, you know, mm-hmm. something written down yeah. somewhere, but a strong association um, that's just functioning on local church rule has thousands upon thousands of horror stories of how things can go bad. Yeah. Um, from within, mm-hmm. uh, with no help from the outside. Yep. And that could be you've got a, a pastor that, that just goes is, rogue, or you've mm-hmm. got a leadership board, mm-hmm. um, a congress, you've got schism within the congregation. I mean, yeah. story after story after story. Now, that doesn't mean that the UMC is is um, immune to those kinds of things. No, no, no. But there is outside help. help. There is that authority I yeah. talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, we, I, you know, hogtied by money and like there's the trust thing, but it, but if we get into where we need legal help, the UMC will step in and yes. help. So they, like, there are benefits of yeah. That yeah, and you even see in like the bigger non-denom churches, mm-hmm. they form networks. Yep, like even your non-denom churches mm-hmm. are still connected to other churches yep. because they realize, like you're talking about, they mm-hmm. are better together. Yeah, well, if you I, this is this is me stepping out on a limb, but if you take the life churches and the hill uh-huh. and the Hillsong churches and mm-hmm. all those, I mm-hmm. mean, you could almost call it a like a a tent denomination in itself because of so many churches and they each have their own pastor Mm -hmm. under one governance body that is the main church yeah uh yeah probably i don't know i have to look at that but again i haven't studied the doctrine and stuff like that but i mean from outside looking in it looks like a they do have a governance structure for sure um so, so how do we then here? This brings up the next question then. So okay. f- that I would think someone might be asking, besides the why do we live? Okay, legally, financially, and spiritually. So then, how would how do we untangle ourselves from a denomination that has a confusing witness? I think is a good, 
I'm trying to think yeah, of the good yeah, term. I think, I think that's a we good have term. a confusing witness to the Western world. Yes. We definitely have a confusing witness to like Africa and other countries. Yeah, because, yeah. Um, and yet, how, so how do we untangle ourselves from that and yet still remain better together with other Wesleyan-minded churches and clergy and, mm-hmm. and lay people? And this is where we get into the protocol of reconciliation and grace yeah. through separation, which we will just call the protocol. But this is a document, we've talked about it before, mm-hmm. that was brought up, it was put together by clergy, by lay people, by those from different countries, by women, by men, by progressives, by traditionalists, by even centrists, people who are like, can't we just all get along? And this document was put together. It's been out for now a couple of years. It provides an amicable way for those who disagree with each other to within the United Methodist Church to go their separate ways and each and everyone can keep their property and keep their assets. And basically, um, the the trust clause wouldn't be upheld. It wouldn't be like, oh, you want to go that way? Then you have to give us your property. No, everyone would be able to go and, and take their property with them and no longer be under that trust clause. Is there a financial um, responsibility for each um, church y- under that? Probably. It depends. It okay. depends. Um, so... As traditional conservative Wesleyan people, our mm-hmm. church at the Porch Community Church, we have an opportunity when the time comes to become part of a new denomination that is forming. It's called the Global Methodist Church. Um, it's a new conservative Wesleyan denomination being formed. Um, and so what would need to happen? What needs to take place? Well, there's a couple of things, a couple of possibilities. First and foremost is that the protocol, it needs to be passed. Just because the document's been written up doesn't mean it's in effect. Right. It's got to be voted upon at General Conference, which is the only decision-making body for the United Methodist Church. Which is stated in our Book of Discipline. Correct. And so, like, we here at TPCC could, you know, we could say, we think all Methodists should wear blue jeans. But, like, unless the General Conference voted for that, like, that's not a deal. It's just a personal thing. So, right. um, So, first and foremost, the protocol needs to pass at the next General Conference, which is currently scheduled for September 2022. Fingers crossed. But there are rumblings. No, uh, really? That... That 2024. I thought 2022 was like a done deal because everything was... Uh-huh, yeah. Really? Rumblings. It's not official. Rumblings. What, the, what are the reasons So there the... is a commission on General Conference, uh-huh. and they will meet in February or March of uh-huh. 2022 yeah. to determine if we will meet in September 2022. And COVID and travel and visas and all that we'll, is we'll, supposedly the reasoning the, yeah. that it's still up in the air. Now um, let's talk about the real reason. Okay. I don't know. I don't know, right? So, so um, if the protocol... All right, let's just say September 2022, General Conference happens. happens. Protocol passes. Yeah. Um, most likely, and I, I, I'm almost certain that at that point then, um, it, once the protocol passes, basically like the General Conference is done, and then there are... The Global Methodist Church is ready to go. It's 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 firing on all cylinders at that point, and um, people can start to align with it. Now, how, how the alignment happens is also another deal I want to mention. But the trust clause would be suspended, and churches could go. And so there should not be a cost if that occurs. Okay, okay? There should not be a cost to the local church gotcha. if the protocol passes. Now, the other option, 
uh, all right, so what do we do? How do we untangle ourselves from this, from being, uh, you know, for this confusing witness? How can we just be Wesleyan in our doctrine and, and go forward and just be a witness to the world for Jesus Christ? All right, the other option is, let's say the next general conference is delayed. All right, so like the September 22nd. They, or, yeah, 2022. Yeah, thank you. Um, that it's delayed again because it's been delayed a couple of times. Yeah. We all know. It was supposed to happen in 2020, right? right? Yes, and 2019, and or no, 2019. They said it was supposed to happen in 2019. They voted to have a special conference in 2020 to to vote on the protocol. Correct. And then 2020 became 2020, and then they pushed it to 2021, and they canceled it. They canceled it because of the Delta variant Mm -hmm. slowed down travel again, which makes sense. Like that. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But then pushed it to 2022. Yep. And that's the new goal. That, that's the new goal. So let's say the next general conference is delayed as an annual conference. That's our South Georgia conference. Okay. So we're in the South Georgia conference. As an annual conference, the decision could be made for the entire South Georgia conference to withdraw from the United Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. Um. There is still some conversation of, is that, like, legal? Does that work in the Book of Discipline? And everyone that I'm hearing from is like, it is. You see it, it's plain, it's clear, you can do this. Um, It would probably come at a slight cost, or I say slight, it would probably come at some financial cost to the local churches and that would be different to every local church, depending on... It would on depend on what they're all... Side. What they're worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the protocol right? It provides that an annual conference may vote to withdraw from the United Methodist Church and align with another denomination. So even, um, and, and, and form under this. Um, now, here's the upside to having an annual conference vote, mm-hmm. is that it avoids causing um, a local church to have to gather and make a decision. Like if we agree, what's an what's an annual conference then? Okay, that the South Georgia conference. So that's all the churches in South Georgia. Mm-hmm. Okay, we are part of one conference. And if South Georgia conference said, "Hey, we're leaving the UMC and we're going to be part of the Global Methodist Church," if they made that decision, and if the Porch Community Church agrees with that decision, mm-hmm. which I would, I think we would. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have to vote. We can just As say... As a church. Correct. We're just we're already a part of the annual conference, mm-hmm. so we don't have to make a change. And the and the church as a whole, through nominating committee, elects people to go to annual conference on our behalf, correct? It's not just you. There's a couple delegates? Um, there's your clergy. There You have one lay member for every clergy, so there's two of us from the porch that okay. are at annual conference. Okay. Um, but the and and yeah, that would be voted upon at annual conference. Yes. Okay. Um, but the good thing about that is that it keeps the local church because I don't think you're going to find any church anywhere in this country where it's going to be a hundred percent, unless it's like a ten member church and they're you know and they're all related. Right. Exactly. I mean, you're going to have people that go. I don't. You know. I I don't know. I'm not sure. Or I don't want to take a stance. I don't want to take a stand on this because, you know, I I don't know exactly. I mean, there's just a lot of issues. Oh yeah. And so to keep the local church from having to vote, it's just really, 
it, it's good. It, it, what it does, Josh, is it avoids the potential divisiveness that a local vote could cause that's just unnecessary, mm-hmm. right? Now, let's say our annual conference made a decision we did not agree with, right? Let's right. say they said, hey, South Georgia Conference, we're going to leave the United Methodist Church, and we are going to join the Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Methodist Church. Yeah. And we're like, we don't want to be a part of that. That mm-hmm. is not, we don't, we don't agree with that. That's not who we are. Then we, as a local church, have the option to then withdraw from the annual conference. The annual conference, but you stay with. We would have to align with another conference in the UMC. We wouldn't be able to just leave. Right. There's. We would still be under a trust clause, mm-hmm. and we would be have to attach with someone else. Which mm-hmm. you know that that could happen. Um, so, all right. I know this is a, some people are like, oh my goodness. So, um, part of the all right, the name, the protocol. Mm-hmm. of reconciliation and grace mm-hmm. through separation. Yeah. The grace alluded to in the name is the idea that all groups um, want any denominations that emerge after the protocol is passed, any denominations that come forth from that, like the Global Methodist Church, right, or uh, some more liberal or, or liberal uh, denominations that may form, um, we, we want those to be as strong and vibrant as they possibly can. We don't want... We don't want um, to set up anybody to fail. Yeah, right, 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 right. So here's an example I was reading last night. The Northwest Texas Annual Conference, right? So we're the South Georgia Annual Conference. The Northwest Texas Annual Conference, they voted recently by an 80% margin. As, a, as an annual conference, they said, hey, we're going to endorse the protocol. So really, it was, it was just an endorsement. Mm-hmm. It wasn't official. It was not a binding. It was not a binding. Because technically, they uh, can't right. attach to it. But they were basically general. kind of making a declaration like yeah. they, we endorse this protocol, and they indicate it. And by that, they're indicating that they would vote to withdraw and join the Global Methodist Church if and when the protocol passes at general conference. Now... If the Northwest Texas Conference were not allowed to withdraw, what would happen then is you see it, it passed by 80%. It could lose more than half of its converse, congregations up to probably 80% mm-hmm. to, who would just go ahead and leave to the Global Methodist Church without it being gracious. Um, and the congregations that would be left then, I mean, imagine you're in a church and you decide you're the one staying. There's 20% of you remaining. Mm-hmm. What does that do to your annual conference? That decimates it financially. Yeah. I mean, like, how do you even, you would end up having to merge with another conference or do something. You couldn't continue. I mean, if I'm, if I'm listening to this, why does it matter if my annual conference is decimated? If you're a part of it? Yeah. Like, what, why does it matter that the, well, remember what the I, annual conference is uh-huh. that big, if that makes sense. Well, t- I would go back to a point of we're better together. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, agencies and organizations and ministries. Uh, we have the uh, the appointment system. We have authority that is not just centered at the local church, but it's overarching that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you would. You even though it's a large area like Northwest Texas mm-hmm. or like South Georgia, mm-hmm. you still have the closer connection. Imagine if you were down to a twenty percent and they go, "Okay, we got to merge you," but the closest conference we can merge you with is in Colorado. 
Okay. Well, there's a distance there. It's yeah. yeah. So I mean, I mean, it wouldn't be the absolute complete end of the world, but I think it would, it would, um, it would affect the church. I think that it would um, affect the, and I mean, I hate to say it, but like the the PR, yeah. <laughs> the optics wouldn't no, be that great. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of of smaller issues that mm-hmm. become large because of that. Okay. Combined. That makes sense. I was just, yeah. I just wanted to. Uh, flesh out why the annual conference mm-hmm. matters when you talk about 80% of leaving and just it being 20%, mm-hmm. why it matters that, mm-hmm. ha- that that 20% is left with the bulk of 80% of right. that church. Right. Well, and there's costs. Yeah. I mean, to any any organization, I mean, there's costs here at the porch. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine, just as an example, so imagine if 80% of our people left and yet we still tried to carry on Doing exactly what we're doing, mm-hmm. um, we wouldn't be able to do that. Right. So just look at that in a little bit larger uh, concept Scale. with a conference. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's there's some issues there. Okay. Um, cool. So and here's the third here's the third option which you've kind of already alluded to, is that if um, in regard to the protocol uh, w- or in regard to why haven't we done anything? What needs to happen to get the ball rolling? is that individual churches can, and it's it's legal, they can take the steps that they need to take to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church. Um, they have to go through a process. They have to vote as a local church. It mm-hmm. has to be um, voted upon at annual conference by their conference. They have mm-hmm. to approve it, and it comes with a significant cost to the local church if they want to retain their property and assets. They right. have to pay... A, a portion of to in order to to buy out and whatever that church mm-hmm. is worth, basically they have to pay right. a portion of that. Mm-hmm. And there have been some in 2020 so far um, in the U.S. There's there's approved. There's been 51 disaffiliations, and some of those have been really big churches. That again, they end up making having a financial impact on an annual conference. But they're like, we're out, we're done. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not waiting for the protocol. We're not waiting. You know, and I'm I would be interested to see how many of those end up actually joining with the Global Methodist Church, or if they just end up staying on their own. I don't know how that's going to go. So the GMC uh-huh. hasn't actually launched yet. They've been referring to themselves as the GM Church. Yeah, by oh, the way, that's why. yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm going to buy a GMC vehicle <laughs> if. Well, yeah, well, let's, I've got some news. So here's some updates, okay? Um, On September 9th, um, this affects us directly. Uh, There was a a group formed called the Traditional Methodists of South Georgia. Um, And they formed to basically just offer information and provide uh, these gatherings, these meetings regionally to just basically go through some of the things we've talked about mm-hmm. in a much deeper way and maybe in a much more, um, even more detail, um, to answer questions about the possibilities before us. Um, and, and they state um, on their Facebook group, and I'm a part of this group, that uh, the traditional Methodist group exists to provide information, guidance, and inspiration for traditional biblically-centered Methodists in South Georgia during this time of transition and change in the UMC. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a part of this group. Um, so they've had these gatherings across South Georgia over the past few months, mm-hmm. and they're providing info and options for conservative, 
conservative-minded laity and clergy and yeah. churches, as as because we are approaching these critical decisions mm-hmm. involving the church, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about today. I know for some people it's like, oh my goodness, why? But this is something that we will be dealing with soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two meetings coming up of the traditional Methodists of South Georgia that I want to mention. Um, November 14th at Thomasville First United Methodist Church. And then uh, November 21st, these are both Sunday nights, uh, at Tifton First United Methodist Church. So November 14th, Thomasville, November 21st, Tifton. Uh, both are at 6 o'clock. Um, I'll be going to one of these meetings, probably the one at Thomasville. Anyone is welcome to attend these meetings, not just for clergy. Um, actually, it is very encouraged that laity come because, you know, that's a church. Yeah. Um, Here's a couple of interesting tidbits that have come out in the news the last um, few days. The Mountain Sky Conference. So again, right, we're South Georgia. Mm-hmm. There's the Mountain Sky Conference. Um, it's a liberal conference, very liberal. They have a uh, bishop who is openly uh, is a is a lesbian, openly gay, in a relationship, and is serving as a bishop, which goes uh, completely against our book of discipline. So just in the, disregarding our polity and our uh leadership structure which is goes back to that i know this is another topic for another day but i just don't understand how the structure that the book discipline has in place let Mm -hmm. the jurisdictional conference Mm -hmm. that actually elects bishop and stuff like that yeah even let that happen well the bishops are upholding it and that's part of the problem that's one of the reasons a lot of people aren't yeah supporting bishops financially right now because they're like i ain't gonna pay your bill if you ain't and that's and that's probably my biggest gripe with mm-hmm. the UMC is like you're not upholding you're not upholding what you say the you're, law yeah yeah you're you're not doing your job like mm-hmm. why why should we stay if you're if the mm-hmm. governance isn't going to govern the way we voted for them to yeah. for y'all to govern and it is it's very um it, it's it, it is very contradictory because in one hand it's like we're not going to do what the discipline says. But then it's like, oh, you want to leave? Well, this is what the discipline says. Exactly. And it's like, well, hold on a minute. But yeah, I, I know. That's that's that, the frustration. That, that's the whole frustration yeah. for me as an individual. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. Well, and listen. so listen to what Mountain Sky said. Um, because when we talk about the protocol, you think, oh, this is just a conservative thing. They got to get out. But this is what they just passed. They passed a resolution that states... Quote, the irreconcilable differences in the United Methodist Church have led to an impasse that has been harmful to people on all sides. Other Protestant denominations facing similar differences and separation have engaged in the rancorous process of costly litigation over property and assets, further damaging the church's witness in the world. The protocol provides a way for the United Methodist Church to deal with our differences with integrity, while enabling us to bless one another to live out our different visions of ministry. So that was what the Mountain Sky, po- uh, that was their resolution. So they're like, please pass the protocol. Yeah. We want to go. I, th- I think, it, I don't know if everybody, like, I don't think anybody's happy at this big Thanksgiving I, table I, and everybody I, just wants to go. N- yeah. Here's what the Global Methodist Church tweeted on the 20th of October. Uh, they said, we in- quote, we anticipate launching. This, you asked this question. Mm-hmm. We anticipate launching in September 2022. Does that date sound familiar? That's when... So, like, are they going to have a special conference when that last one, like, general conference leaves? You know, in 2019, they kept making the joke, hey, we got to get out because the monster trucks are coming. Yeah, yeah. 
Are they going to, in 2022, are they go, <laughs> hey, we got to get out. The GMCs are coming. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But they. this is what they tweeted. We anticipate launching in September 2022. We joyfully share our mission and vision with you. While we eagerly anticipate the beginning of our operations, we invite you to learn more and begin making plans to join brothers and sisters around the world for a bright and bold new future. All right, so that was October 20th. Last night on social media, Global Methodist said, quote, the Global Methodist Church anticipates launching in late August or early September 2022 during or shortly after the postponed General Conference of the United Methodist Church. You catch that? Mm -hmm. So they're saying we're going to launch if it's postponed. Either during... Oh, I thought they were talking about... Uh-uh. If, if the general conference is postponed, they're launching. Okay, see, the way the way I read it was, like, this is already the postponed general conference. Oh, you know what? Maybe that's it. Because this, this general conference was supposed is to happen two years ago. It might be. Uh, anyway, either it's or. still. Either or, they're doing it. And then they say, it is widely assumed that the delegates to the United Methodist Church's next general conference will approve a plan for the denomination's amicable separation. Once that plan of separation is approved, the Global Methodist Church's Transitional Leadership Council will officially launch the new denomination. All right? Um, they're meeting August 29th through September 6th. So today is November 2nd. So in 10 months, the Global Methodist Church is Launch. launching. Yeah. This is why we're talking about this, mm -hmm. because TPCC needs to know this, mm -hmm. and we need to be having these conversations. Um, uh, do, 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 do. The Transitional Leadership Council continues to evaluate when to launch the Global Methodist Church, and here you go, may launch the church sooner if developments in the United Methodist Church warrant which that is the dun-dun-dun. That's the, if you postpone, we're doing this thing. Yeah. They go on to say, for approximately one year, the Global Methodist Church will be a church in transition as it prepares for its convening general conference. So that means you can start until you ha convene. We launched as the Porch Community Church, but we didn't have our convening conference until a month later, two mm -hmm. months later. Yeah. Um, so that's people can do that. Mm -hmm. um, it says, during the transitional period, the Global Methodist Church will operate under a transitional book of doctrines and discipline, which they've already put out. You can Google Global Methodist Church Book of Discipline, and you can get, see it and read it and understand it. Just this morning, Josh, I read this from an article from, from a Firebrand online magazine. It's a Wesleyan magazine. Yeah. Love it. Highly recommend it. Um, this was, oh, I didn't put their name down, but someone wrote this piece, but, um, it says, God is not in the habit of repeat performances. God delights in doing his old work in new ways that can be maddening to control addicted humans. Often the concerns about the creation of a new expression of the Methodist movement is resisted based on an emotional need for things to stay the same. The prophets of the Hebrew Bible often ran into resistance when they pointed those in power towards Reformation. Um, 
Firebrand is a online magazine. It's so uh, they, this is what they say: they're aimed at enlivening intellectual dialogue among Wesleyans and Methodists. Mm. Um, and here's their core four values: the authority of Scripture, the Nicene Chalcedonian faith, the Wesleyan tradition, and a cultivation of intellectual virtue. So all this is happening. Mm-hmm. All this is going on. Um, there are things. There's a little background into the church. There's a little background into who we are. Yes, we're Wesleyan. Background into why things aren't changing, why we aren't doing anything, um, what is currently bubbling Mm -hmm. up. So I wanted to give this review. Um, I encourage you to to check out, go to... um, if you have an opportunity to go to one of the traditional Methodist meetings, uh, gatherings on November 14th or the 21st, I encourage you to do that. And I'm available for conversation as well. Yeah. So I got a couple questions. Though. Sure. So sure. On, in episode eight, we were talking about um, the Wesleyan Covenant Association. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, what, now we, didn't men- we haven't mentioned that at all. We have not. So what yeah. has happened with that since then? Okay, so the Wesleyan Covenant Association was... Um, a group that formed in before the Global Methodist Church, and I would say in ninety nine percent, you know, that the Global Methodist Church began as the Wesleyan Covenant Association. Okay, um, they were the people that said, "Hey, th- things have got to change. If if um, the Book of Discipline's not going to be upheld." Things need to change. Obviously, we're not changing the Book of Discipline. We keep voting to uphold it, to not change the rules. So we're saying we have traditional values and all these things, but they're not being upheld. This has got to change. So they formed, and they started the conversations. I mean, okay. it had to happen. Um, and then from that, um, they've you know they have people rep- representation from all over, men, women. Um, you know, dis- different racial backgrounds, serving all sizes of churches. And from that, the Global Methodist Church, be- you know, was the found started to form from that. Mm-hmm. It was always the intention. The-, the Wesleyan Covenant Association never had an intention of, in and of itself, becoming a new denomination. Right. But it wanted to have a part in helping to form. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they've done. So, um, yeah, that I'm, I'm part of the Wesleyan Covenant Association as well. Um, and so all of these are kind of together. I will say I think that the WCA, Wesleyan Covenant, mm-hmm. has really taken some shots over the last couple of years just because they they were the first ones that really stepped out as yeah. conservatives and said, here's where we are, here's what we believe, and this is what we believe the church should look like and the direction it should go. And, um, you know, they've taken a lot of hits. And, again, I'll go back. No system is perfect. No institution is perfect. No right. organization is perfect. There are going to be some some flaws and some things in everyone. But yeah, that's the WCA definitely is. It's present in all of what I just read without saying their name. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. And then as a church partner, mm-hmm. I'm I'm listening to this and I go, well, is is there anything that the church will will do before the call general conference at 2022? That that TPCC like, will like do. TPCC will there be any action taken by TPCC prior to the 2022 general conference, or is that going to be kind of like the catalyst of whatever happens is going to happen after 2022? Are mm-hmm. we basically we are we're with the UMC up until for sure up until 
the general conference 2022, whether it happens or not, or mm-hmm. where, where are we as a church with that? Sure. So, um, in our ministry board meetings, we have, I've kept people apprised of what's going on. We have not had any sort of official, um, vote or conversation about, um, uh, any anything we would do, the consensus has been um, with our leadership is that um, there's no there's nothing um, that is causing us or pushing us to make any kind of decision. Mm-hmm. That on the local level we are we're able to keep doing what we're doing. Um, we're not being asked or required to do anything that we don't agree with or anything like that. And so um, I don't want to say don't rock the boat because I think so, I, I don't mind rocking a boat if it needs to be rocked. Yeah. Um, but I, there's there's no there's nothing that is you know causing us or you know making creating a, a need for us to do that. Yeah, because so, there are churches in our state where the boat like they've been forced to rock a boat. Right. Like, like in the, North Georgia. Yeah, North Georgia. There's yeah uh, Mount Bethel. Uh, Google Mount Bethel United Methodist Church. You can read all about that. Um, but yeah, the bishops kind of kind of forced their hand in that and yeah. tried to remove their pastor and put in a very liberal pastor. And they had made it very clear that they were they were Wesleyan Covenant Association. They still are, and they are going to go global Methodist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the bishop who's um, didn't like that and tried to try to mix that up. So. Yeah. Um, so, right now so for the Porch Community Church, yeah. we are we are here. We're we're we want to be about kingdom work. We want to be about renewal and revival among our people. We want the witness of Jesus Christ to be most important. Uh, when people ask you, ministry partners, about oh, you're part of that Methodist church, um, you know, I highly encourage you to say, you know, what we are Wesleyan in our doctrine. And uh, we believe in Jesus Christ and the Bible and who God is, and we want people to know Jesus and have a life that's transformed. I mean, that's the that's the best answer you could give. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, so as a church partner, mm-hmm. I, if if I have a an opinion about uh, my stance, mm-hmm. whether I love the protocol or I want to stay with the UMC, where could I voice that opinion as a partner of TPCC? Um, I mean. You could you could let me know. You could I mean you could come to a board meeting and share uh, your thoughts on that. You could um, you know I I don't know. Um, it's not you would have a everyone has a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's not a restricted thing. Um, but I do firmly firmly agree. But uh, you know, that, oh I did say opinion. Yeah, you did say opinion. <laughs> um, that. Um, you know, I would I would love the I would really think it would be the healthiest thing if um, the annual conference made a decision that we were we were good with, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and and it would come down to so let's say our annual conference makes a decision to step out and be part of the global Methodist Church, mm-hmm. um, because with this whole trust clause thing, it's not like they can just leave; they have to leave and align with a Methodist Wesleyan organization. You yeah. can't just go. Right. Um, that's that's part of the stipulation, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's fine. But um, if, uh, what, let's say our annual conference makes a decision, then our ministry board, just the ministry board, 
would make a choice. Do we want to ask for a vote among our congregation? That, that's kind of where I was getting um, at that. So was... the church, like we don't have a whole church vote to decide if the whole church is going to vote. Mm-hmm. The ministry board would actually make that determination. And so when I say, if you have an opinion on this, you could talk to ministry board members. Um, you can actually go to our website and go to uh, leadership, I believe is the tag. Mm-hmm. And our ministry board members are on there. Yep. Um, so you could sh- talk to any of our ministry board leadership or staff and, and share your thoughts and opinions. So, yeah. Okay. Yep. I, I think that's all the questions I've <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, um, okay, so I would encourage you to check out the Firebrand magazine. Yep. Is it available online? Yeah, it's, it's an yeah. online magazine. Okay, cool. And then I would check out the Global Methodist Church, kind of get the feel of that and yep. see which GMC vehicle you want. <laughs> um, no, really check out the Global Methodist Church because I mean that. I mean the conservative members of the UMC are going GMC. Correct. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, check out the traditional Methodists of South Georgia. They're on Facebook. Yep. And please plan to attend one of those meetings because well, yeah. we we just took talk the tip of the iceberg here because that's really all we understand mm-hmm. to an yeah. extent. Yeah. <laughs> But if you can make it to one of those meetings, please go. I, I'll be going to whichever one Shannon goes to. I'll probably ride with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so please go. Um, and then check out the Wesleyan Covenant Association. I follow them on social, and they post amazing articles mm-hmm. about um, what's going on, examples of things going right on conservative and liberal side. Mm-hmm. And yep. then they also talk about examples of stuff not going right. And and they really show you where the book of discipline is being upheld and where and where it's not and mm-hmm. why they even exist because of people not yeah. doing what they said they'd uphold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think if you go to the Global Methodist Church and or Wesleyan Covenant Association, you can actually read the actual protocol. Mm-hmm. The, I know the, you can on Wesleyan Covenant. Yeah, so you can at Global as well. So uh, yeah, so that was a big conversation and kind of a big podcast. Uh, but we definitely it's important um, as your pastor. I want you guys to be aware and be having the conversations. And so. that's why it's been like ten months since we've had one of these. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's coming. So all right, so. Make sure you like and review and share this podcast. Yeah. Especially with any of your friends that go to the porch Mm -hmm. so they kind of know what's going on. For sure. If you ever get asked any questions about, hey, what's going on with that Methodist church? (laughs) Send them this podcast. That'll kind of catch them up to date too. And stay tuned for uh, future podcasts. And we'll have, and uh, we won't touch this topic again for a while unless just news drops everywhere, which it might start happening soon. Um, we might have to do a slight side podcast or something, but, um, yeah. Yep. That's it. it. Hey, thanks for hanging with us today. If you made it all the way here, yeah, Uh, we look forward to talking to y'all. Seeing you soon. And we know this is a long one. Hey, Porch Fest. Porch Fest. If you're listening to this this week, Porch Fest is Sunday from, uh, four to six. November 7th. It will be fantastic. It's going to be a great time. Our, um. Ministry assistant Sutherland is doing a fantastic job with it, and she's got a lot of fun in store, and Mm -hmm. you could pie me or Shannon in the face. Oh, yeah, you get to pie a pastor. Yeah, so you could go, that podcast was too long. Pie. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, You can put those on Josh, because he's the uh, producer of the show. Hey, you know, know, out of the four (laughs) pastors, I'm probably going to get pie the least. 
I think you're just kind of throwing down the gauntlet there, like I, I'm I'm kinda like reverse psychology. <laughs> but I do think like I will raise I'll get the least pies. What are we raising money for? Uh Living Bridges. Uh why don't you tell how um yeah. real quick how people are like, No, you're gonna let us go. I know. Five more minutes. About our community ministry partner, Living yeah. Bridges. So Living Bridges, um, they are boots they have been boots on the ground um in uh, a area of our city they're really good located um they do classes they want to help people they don't want to do a handout they want to do a hand up they want to help people up um they do a lot of training bible studies um they offer some food assistance um, clothing um but really their big 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 focus is on um equipping people Mm -hmm. um and so offering classes for just like you know life skills but then also um spiritually Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just a fantastic ministry. Darcy Gunner ha- heads it up and, um, uh, we have been supporting them from the beginning and we will continue to do that. So we'll have, uh, at Porch Fest, we'll have, um, our lemonade stand, which will help, uh, go to them. She's actually some Living Bridges, um, volunteers are going to be help here. So they can oh, answer cool. questions and then Pia Pastor, all those proceeds go to Living Bridges as well. So mm-hmm. we're excited about that. And, and Darcy, I mean, I've, I don't know she, how she does it. She, yeah. She's incredible, works her fanny off. Yep. And they did, if you ever want to see a nonprofit that did COVID right, look at Living Bridges. <laughs> yeah. They, I, yeah. I can't even remember how many meals they've served during 2020. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember the number, but it was a whole lot. It was thousands upon thousands. Yeah. So if you ever have time, please go volunteer at Living Bridges because you'll be better for it. We have church partners that volunteer weekly mm-hmm. and monthly mm-hmm. and they just talk about how amazing it is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, hopefully we'll see you a uh, Sunday in worship uh, yep. online or in person, in person. Yay. And the porch fest on Sunday. And then porch we'll talk fest. to you soon. All right. All right. See you. Bye. Go Braves. I hope. Go Braves. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the 167 podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.